It is 7.45 on a Saturday, which means it's time for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. I can say buongiorno. Buongiorno. Welcome home. Thank you very much. Had a great time and had even had a little bit of wine over there. But uh, <laughs> what, uh, what are we going to talk about well, today? today I thought we'd talk about the State Fair in as much as it's the, our big celebration going on right now. You know, I was remembering that for about 10 or 11 years, I reviewed all the new food at the State Fair for WCCO in the afternoon, and those vendors that had new stands would come over during the whole hour we were on the air and bring their various foods, and we'd taste them and pass them out to the people in front of the stands there to taste them. And it was a very fun, enjoyable thing for me at the time to be able to review and talk about all the new food at the fair because... You know, the State Fair is really a very interesting food venue because there's something for everybody, whether you're a health person or you're a, a real corn dog junkie. There, there's just something for you, and there's so many different ethnicities that are available at the fair, from Tibetan to Korean uh, to Chilean to Argentinian to French, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just absolutely amazing of all the food opportunities you have at the fair. But I'm really going to talk about the wine at the fair because, let's face it, I'm probably better and have more experience in that than I do in judging food, that's for sure. But the wine history at the State Fair is a very interesting one. Uh, This is about the 32nd year that they've judged wine at the State Fair. But, of course, nothing happens very quickly. I remember uh, there back in the early 80s, there was a big fad in, uh, across the country, not just in, here in the Twin Cities, but of making homemade wine. And they actually had stores that had nothing but homemade homemakers' wine equipment, barrels and uh, thermometers and uh, all the various stuff and the extracts, whatever you needed to make wine they had. And you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, The 21st Amendment of the Constitution repealed prohibition. That same 21st Amendment allows every single household in the United States to make 250 gallons of wine a year, tax-free, and you can make it at home. And a lot of people aren't even aware of that, but they did that when they uh, announced repeal. In fact, it was the same all through prohibition, Uh, From the 18th Amendment, which was prohibition, they allowed people to make wine at home because of so many ethnic people, particularly the Italians and other Southern Europeans, where wine is a part of their culture, they felt they could make that at home and it wouldn't be uh, in violation of the Volstead Act. Well, in the 80s, people started to make homemaking wine, and it was a big thing. I'll bet you in the Twin Cities we had five or six shops that were totally dedicated to making wine. And out of that came a wine club called the Purple Foot. And the Purple Foot were these avid winemakers who would support these little shops and buy grapes and buy grape extract, etc., and make wine. Well, they went to the State Fair about 35 years ago and asked them the it's an agricultural product, blah, blah, blah. How about having a, a contest to see who makes the best wine? And the State Fair says, nothing doing. We are prohibited by our contract with the state 
from serving alcohol. Now, they did have 3-2 beer at the State Fair, but that was all you could get uh, in the early 80s was 3-2 beer and nothing else. And so the, on the State Fairgrounds had nothing doing. Well, these Purple Foot people weren't to be put down. They went to the legislature and had the law changed. And two years later, went back to the board at the State Fair and said, we'd like, well, the board said, well, we covered that already. We told you you can't serve wine at the fair. They said, well, the law has been changed. And then the board of governors of the fair said, okay, and they let them, and they were off to the wine-making uh, race. And I am telling you, it, it has been an interesting experience to be a judge all 32 years of the wine exhibition at the state fair. Uh, it has been a remarkable experience from the very start till Thursday when it was my 32nd year doing judging this home winemaking exhibition and contest. And uh, some of the wine <clears throat> through the years, uh, w- the most interesting one this year was horseradish wine. But I remember one year, thank heavens I didn't have to taste it, but they made an earthworm wine. Gal, I can't imagine. I remember oak leaf wine, uh, just some very exotic things. But those are the minuses. The pluses are amazing. Some of the wines today could really take their place commercially. They're making such very, very good quality wine today. The difference in 32 years is absolutely awesome. 32 years ago, there were a couple that made good wine. Today, it's a real contest because there's a lot of good wine there. They had a category for mead. Mead is a very old wine made from honey, and they've been making mead for a thousand years or so. And the meads that they put forth this year at the State Fair would compare to meads anywhere in the entire world. I thought they were very interesting. And so also with the plum wine this year was very good and could be sold commercially commercially. but, of course, let, let's not forget they don't just have fruit wines. They have Vitis vinifera, and that's what I, my forte. Vitis vinifera simply means wines made from uh, grapes that are specifically grown to make wine. Concord grapes really don't make very good wine. Concord wine, it's okay, but it, it isn't really what I would call high-quality table wine. And uh, they have categories for all these different wines, and as I said, fortunately, I'm in the category where I taste the table wines, and they were very good. In fact, one person was very inventive this year, I thought. Uh, in the sparkling wine category, you know, you have to wire the cork down because the, that sparkling wine has a lot of pressure and could blow a normal cork out. And one fellow obviously didn't have <laughs> the right equipment, and he duct taped the the cork in, and we had to cut the duct tape to open the sparkling wine, which I thought was very ingenious on his part, a good way to keep it down, that's for sure. But anyhow, you know, the University of Minnesota has developed several cold-weather wine varietal types, and they're really getting recognition all over the world. In fact, they had here a couple of weeks ago was the world uh, cold weather winery tasting right here in Minnesota. And some of the wines developed by the U of M are Frontenac, La Crescent, and Marquette that are grown in other cold areas, Michigan, Alaska, 
places like that where it's very, very difficult to grow table wine because of our climate. You know, the grapevines, Vitis vinifera, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, etc., need a lot of days of sunshine. And we get a lot of days of sunshine, but a lot of them are in February and March, which aren't very good for growing wines. At any rate, I was delighted to be at the fair again this year and judge those wines. And my hat goes off to those dedicated men and women who produce all those wonderful wines. And now that we have almost 70 wineries in the state of Minnesota, it's really somewhat of a a business today where it used to be just strictly the hobbyists from those Purple Foot organization uh, lobbying for wine. Today, you see wines absolutely uh, have the very best quality. I mean, it's just amazing to me. Some of the wineries, what they're producing here in Minnesota, really are taking medals and deserving them uh, uh, with their wines. And when we have 70 wineries, that's a pretty significant amount of wineries to have. And while a lot of those wineries don't go into the state fair because they deem that for amateurs and not professional winemakers, uh, even the amateur wine that is made today has improved quantumly from 32 years ago. So it's always fun to be at the fair. It, for me, it's very fun to judge that winemaking contest every year, and it goes back a long time, and I hope I'm around to judge it a couple more times. Well, we hope you are too, Jack. We have a, <laughs> we have a show to do, <laughs> as a matter of fact. I know we're just about out of time. I did want to ask you, uh, and maybe I should know better, but when we were on our Good Neighbor tour uh, to Switzerland and Italy, uh, this was, happened to be in Lugano. My family and I were having uh, lunch out in the uh, piazza, and uh, and I, I asked the the server. I said, uh, "Could I have a glass of Merlot?" And he said, "Because evidently they do grow that in that particular area a lot." He said, "Do you want white or red?" I said, "Pardon me." <laughs> and is there such a thing as a white Merlot? Well, it is, but it's like a rosé. Ah, that's what he was. Uh, okay. Yes, uh, and I I <coughs> I there is no white wine made from Merlot to my knowledge. Now that doesn't mean that somebody hasn't made it in Lugano, yeah. uh, uh, Lugano. Anyhow, but that would be very highly unusual, I think. And it would be even more highly unusual that a waiter in a restaurant knew that they made a white wine. Because, you know, the the Italian restaurants, usually the sommelier or whatever in a, in a restaurant there, knows the local wines, but that's as far as it goes. He's very yeah. knowledgeable on what's grown right in the area. But uh, you get out of his area, and like I say, Merlot is a, a new varietal to Italy. It was one of the ones brought over when they started to make the super Tuscan wines in the early 70s because the principal grape type in Tuscany was Sangiovese. And then they brought in Cabernet and Merlot from France, actually, and began to make super Tuscans with those. Hmm. Well, I, I tell hope. you. I, I, thanks for that intro. And I, again, it uh, goes back to Haskell's. If you are confused about what uh, wine to serve with maybe a meal coming up or a picnic since it's still summer, get to Haskell's, right, Jack? Indeed. As a matter of fact, I was telling you folks about rosés at Haskell's the other day, uh, or a couple of years ago, and I said, well, you know, we almost have 40 different rosés. Well, 
I asked yesterday for a tally on it. We have over 400 rosé wines at Haskell's, both still and sparkling wine. Whatever you want or need in the world of wine is available at Haskell's, and best of all, it's available at a good price. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Faribault, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. It's a huge store. Our downtown Minneapolis store has free parking on Saturdays and Sundays. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale at Minnetonka, Plymouth Island Village, St. Paul, uh, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and it'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can peruse our summer flyers and catalog. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. Excellent, Jack. Well, I hope you can join us again next week. We'll again be at the Minnesota State Fair. So, uh, Well, hopefully. maybe I'll talk about something besides the fair, though. All right, good deal. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> All right, Danny. Great talking with you again. Thank you very much. Jack Farrell from that family-run business called Haskell's.